Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Sir, we have an indication that you were born Nathan Huffheims. Is that correct? Yeah, I changed my name. One of it. Uh, Can you give us an indication why? Would you listen to episodes from a podcast called Real Huffheims? All right, I'll get to the point. Was the episode wearing anything when he was abducted? Nobody sleeps naked in this house. I'm asking the questions, officer. Well, if we're going to put out an APB, I need a description. We're better trained to intervene in a crisis situation. What was he wearing? A dinner jacket. What do you think? He was wearing his damn Drew's clothes. The episodes was wearing Drew's clothes. Are you happy? Do you have any uh, disgruntled employees? Hell, they're all disgruntled. I ain't running a damn daisy farm. What did this Drew's Clues look like? My motto is, he was your son, Tommy. Do it my way, or watch your butt. <laughs> so you think that you it may have been an employee? Don't make me laugh. Without my say-so, they wouldn't shower water with their pants on fire. What did this Drew's Clues look like? Officer! I don't know. They were Drew's Clues. They had seen hints and shit on them. Get your damn feet off the coffee table! Ron, you are upsetting the victim! Damn it, are you boys going to chase down your leads? Or are you going to sit here and drink a coffee in the one house in the state where I know my episode ain't at? Well, sir, we don't have any leads as of yet. Aside from this ham. Give me that. That's a $500 Iberico ham. Uh, sir, at this point, you might want to wash your hands. God damn it. No leads. Everyone leaves likes and reviews. Hell, that's your forte, ain't it? Tracking down movie quotes left by criminals and commies and shit. That's your whole goddamn raison d'etre, ain't it? No leads. I want the Raisin Arizona episode back. Or whichever one of them they took. He's out there somewhere. Something leads to him. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the real feels podcast where we bring you a different episode of a different wait a different movie of a different episode uh or a different movie of a different episode yeah or a different genre of fortnite i'm I'm still i'm still in my trey wilson no (laughs) (laughs) so uh in the last Bilbo Grab Baggage, I drew domestic comedy, and I immediately knew that it had to be 1987's Joel and Ethan Cohen. I would dare say least masterpiece, pro- possibly maybe a cult classic at least. It's raising Arizona. It's wild, wild. It is deemed as either like the best or like the second best. So some people think it is the best Cohen's movie, Cohen Brothers movie. Uh, period, and also the most sort of, not pro- profound, but um, poignant. Mm. But it's, you know, it's 1987. A lot of people, when they think Coen Brothers, they think Fargo, No Country for Old Men, uh, a whole host of other, you know, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Art Thou? 
Mm. whole host of other movies. But uh, my father actually requested that my grandparents record Raised in Arizona off of HBO in the late 80s. And we had this VHS. And I watched it as a child ad nauseum. Which a lot of people like, well, Raised in Arizona, Jack. I mean, that's that could be a little bit of, you know, some some little too over the top for a child but you know except for shit there's no other swear words there's not a whole lot of real violence everything is sort of cartoonish and the real violence happens to our villain at the end that's true uh, this is interesting and as simon Pegg did say you know this is like a live action looney tunes movie it's it's very comical i mean to obviously like jump way ahead like the whole you know driving off where's the kid thought you had the kid ah! but i mean there, there <laughs> are also me. scenes like some sometimes i get the menstrual cramps real bad and like yeah that's gonna go over an eight-year-old's <laughs> what do you mean you're tra- you feel trapped in a in a woman or a man's <laughs> body well sometimes i get the menstrual cramps <laughs> well uh should we give them some uh be- bean footage or uh, i guess since it's arizona some uh some frijoles some frijoles some some baby boom baby bean footage yes mm. yes my name is h.i mcdonough Call me high. Don't forget his profile, Ed. Turn to the right. What kind of name is Ed for a pretty thing like you? Short for Edwina. Turn to the right. You're a flower, you are. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. Where's that baby? What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. So, to my understanding, neither of you guys had ever seen this first movie. Time. This is my first watch. This, yeah. like, that, it kind of made, like, you got, you got goosebumps, goosebumps on my sack a little bit. <laughs> because this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, so, I, I want to get your guys' take on it. I greatly enjoyed watching it. It was a hoot. I loved... Now, I mean, we, we've had Cage do... Like Southern, not like vampire book editor Southern, <laughs> but him doing this and also his Woody Woodpecker hair, which as the state of his like paranoia and anxiety gets and worse, it get like the hair gets more disheveled and bigger. And I, I love that. I think that's hilarious. I think Holly Hunter, which the role when the script was written was made for Holly Hunter, according to the Coens. I love her reactions to a lot of things. Go just, get there, get my baby. Go in, go in and get there. It's like, oh, honey, you know, it's just when I like when I rob liquor stores. I 
love him so much. <laughs> you better hurry up. The wife and I are in Dutch. This movie, it, there's nothing else more I feel like you can pinpoint it on than just it's wild. It really is uh, nothing. I came into it very uh, just, all right, let's see what we've got. And boy, fucking howdy. Um, nothing like I thought it was going to be. Uh, some of the act, William Forsyth and like John Goodman blew me away. Oh, f- those two. I think those so. Two. My favorite actor in this whole thing, I think, is William Forsyth. I think that he just. Cr- <laughs> Do they blow up into funny shapes? Well, not unless you can sit around funny. JR, like the TV show. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like his stark contrast to who he is in like movies like The Rock, where he's just like, God damn it, where's Mason at? Uh, where he plays like such a badass. And, which he sort of does for most of the rest of his yes. career after Raising Arizona. Yeah. But Raising Arizona, he plays this dumbass cop. It also took me half a second to realize like who it was without like a mustache or a beard on him but then I he smiled and I'm like oh I know that gap tooth <laughs> and then John Goodman John Goodman okay I'll tell you right now from never seeing this film my first thought when someone says like what is a prison escape that's very memorable and you're all like Shawshank that prison climbing escape through the shit. when I was a yes. kid scared the shit out of me oh, when they I'm come sure screaming did. out of the yes. I mean, like, I mean, but that's the whole thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> like him climbing out of the sewer, screaming, and I'm like, oh, it's Andy Dufresne. And then you watch <laughs> this, and you're like, this is Williams sports side up on his ankle. And I mean, so seven years prior to Shawshank, and I'm like, ah. This this was the first one that, you know, now I can say, okay, cool. This precedes Shawshank. But John Goodman first popping his we head up. We a sewer pipe on the way out. And man. then Couldn't doing the, just the, the like the, the goop <laughs> spitting out of his mouth. And I'm trying to think, like, what what did you what did you break or climb out of? Because I, I can't really tell what he's pushing back besides like rocks. Maybe it's like foldable foam for the set or whatever, but it doesn't matter. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> It's absolutely hilarious. It's and I like, love like a Cyclops that, being bored yes. or something. And he's like, you know, one arm out, the other arm out. There, there are times when John Goodman obviously doesn't play like a lead role, but he plays such a strong supporting role. And he does so well at them in Arachnophobia, in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And now raising Arizona. I just love when he comes in the house is like, Oh, HI, I think you've been up to, <laughs> the, been devil's up to the devil's business. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And how much pomade, how much pomade can he slack into his both hair? Of them, the oh my God. We also saw people that we knew in this film represented from different characters. John Goodman playing such a Cody, to an extent that uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. If we want to get into the, this the early. whole scene after Holly Hunter goes to bed and like he's like he gets up and he gets like the leftover food from earlier. He's got like a chicken wing in his mouth. And got you like, on a short leash, doesn't she? Hhs, <laughs> like the his whole character and like you know they're spo- they go to they go to hi because he's supposed to be like the one person they that they know they could possibly rely on and then they end up betraying him right 
Oh, my goodness. So, uh, you know, Coen Brothers movie, and uh, you cannot have a Coen Brothers movie without Frances McDormand, who is in there with, with her husband, Glenn, play just a nice little bit scene. The whole visit. I love her. Like, She's I like so how it's, it's predicated by uh, High saying to Holly Hunter, like, well, unless you don't mind if I, you know, hit you out with the boys, have a couple cool cold ones. And then he stops. He's like, that's probably not a good idea either. <laughs> but then when they show up, the kids are like, like beating his car, his car? with sticks and rocks. Oh my God. Leave his car alone. <laughs> and you think it's going to be like one kid or like two kids maybe. And it's like, leave his car alone. And then you see it's like five pounding on the car, riding fart. <laughs> and, and, and like Glenn like throws like beer nuts at the kid. Like it, the whole thing. Uh, and then capped up, capped off by the, uh, well, Dottie and I are swiggers, as in two <laughs> swing. swing. Keep your goddamn hands <laughs> off my wife. <laughs> well, she says these, t- these are getting too big to cuddle. So <laughs> she wants another one. There's a, there's a doctor's bill in the mail. I suggest you take it. it. Oh, you're fired. I know. I know. I expect <laughs> that. Also, what I did not expect was, I think, more of the physical comedy from from Cage, from from Sam. Like their the way that they like move their bodies sometimes. Like when Nick Cage is like getting his picture and he like slides in, and he's like all shoulders <laughs> like half the time. It it adds what, to the characters. Kind of all right, honey, we're about to pop here. We're, we're red pop. <laughs> oh. Well, you're just a desert flower, aren't you? It's it's wild that and the the whole beginning you're really trying to like pick up on well wait. the the title doesn't flow across the screen until like eleven minutes yeah. into the movie which I love that whole intro and the yodeling for the intro the, the music the banjo yeah. is like uh, you know I call it like Edwina is is crying and she's like you my tell him where to find me, me. <laughs> it's like when you tell me Chad McDonough where you can find me in Maricopa County. Maximum security. Now, prison. hi, you wouldn't you wouldn't lie to us now, would you? Like, <laughs> they got a word for you, hi. It's called <laughs> recidivism. <laughs> a repeat offender. <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't mean to hurt anybody, and we appreciate that. <laughs> so they got the the dialogue from doing basically just riffs on like the southern gentrify gentrify gentrification. Gentrification. Gent- well, gentrify and the Bible. The, the the wording and, and how they would do that. In there. Mm. So it's like, you know, when High's like, I was starting to premise that the salad days are over. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. And like the, the old folks, you know, like the, the probation board with the, uh, you're not just telling us what you, what you want us to hear, are you now? Huh? The night that he goes back and he decides to rob because, you know, they need huggies and... Mainly Huggies. I forget if he grabs anything else. But you mean him, the beginning of one of the greatest chase scenes in cinematic exactly, history? Exactly. It is, I think, I, I'm, I'm going to compare it to like another like really famous and recognizable chase scene. I find it to be more entertaining than Ferris Bueller trying to make it home in time. You, yeah, and I was also thinking like the last really great chase scene that we talked about was Point Break. Oh, Which sure. also has like you know, there's a dog thrown in that. At, at but the there's so part. much action but there. This, this is this is so just slapstick comical. You got the you got the fucking dogs, and then he he uh, hijacks, carjacks the old man who just <laughs> basically son. 
you got a panty on your head. And then the rest of his lines is, ah! You've got the 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 blonde fucking uh, convenience store kid with a three fifty seven Magnum, and then the cops are just done so over the top. We're like, their car is like hitting air when they're going over speed bumps. He's just like, like they're just shooting off dozens of rounds just in a firing, neighborhood, firing, firing. The the fucking the store manager and and every woman in the store has got their their hair curlers in. I, oh. I love that, like, one is screaming and running and, like, runs down the cop. Ah! Ah! So this is, I'm going re- to relate it to a movie that Jack is not going to appreciate at all, but this is very Little Rascals. <laughs> Wait, it's, it's okay, I've actually never seen it, so. Oh, oh Jack. Oh. I just I make the- judgments from the hip on it. But there's so many parts where, uh, even when they're, like, uh, like, People are flying out of the way, like doing somersaults in midair. You know, it's it's that like comical, but it's wild that it keeps going. There's so many oh, parts sure. where I'm like, oh, okay, they're gonna wrap it. Oh no, now they're in, now they're in a supermarket. Okay, oh shit, uh, there's they're firing guns in the supermarket. Why not? Hold on, baby, we're gonna go get daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like like. I don't know how what they did or if it was just happenstance where the baby like pulls down on its hood. Like, oh, I'm Arr! I'm sure it was a couple of takes. Well, there was for... I think there was like 18 babies right. that were in this movie to play Nathan Jr. and the collected, uh, you know, Arizona Five or I, whatever. They I were. think it inevitably uh, there's something about triplets, but there were there were so many babies that were actually hilariously to say this babies were fired from the film because instead of crawling they would take walks one woman they was would, putting her children her, her baby's shoes, shoes on, on backwards, backwards so they would not be able to walk <laughs> so they could this movie. <laughs> oh pita anyway um yeah but okay can let's not ignore the apocalypse bike rider played by a wrestler Randall Tex. And Boxer. And Boxer. Randall Tex. I can't remember the last name. Cobb, I think. Mm -hmm. Cobb. That's it. He was in Behind Enemy Lines with Gene Hackman. Yes. Which was around the same period. And he also had had done like a lot of like, if you've seen like a biker henchman in the 80s. It was like, yeah, it was likely fucking Tex Cobb. So the, I think one of the, uh, the funny things with it is that he didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. He had to learn how to ride a motorcycle for at least parts of the scene, uh, parts of the different scenes. But I love the, I just love the, uh, the, the, the dream sequence yeah, of like being the filmed. The opera and- music, the, the flowers, you know, getting, erupting into flame, him <laughs> just shooting poor little animals. They call the, the, the shooting of the animals. And then in the office, they call me Leonard Smalls. <laughs> Smalls. <laughs> Oh, uh, he looks he looks like he needs not one, not two, but like three baths. So <laughs> I want to say and, and and there was a lot of good acting that was done in this movie. And unfortunately, at, at the time, it got no recognition because uh, the Coen brothers were were very little known. Uh, it was it was uh, nominated for absolutely no awards. But Trey Wilson, who played uh, Nathan Arizona. 
And unfortunately, he died about a year later of a uh, cerebral hemorrhage or like an aneurysm. Like, you know, just one of those things that nobody could diagnose. That sucks. That was one of his, that was one of his last films. But his portrayal of Nathan Arizona, I feel was simply incredible. Uh, and sort of has like the, the top piece. Uh, for I think the best acting that was done in the movie, which is a hard thing to say because everybody is just chewing up the scenery in this movie. Uh, but Nathan Arizona's range and like just the lines that he gets to say, it's like 18,000 leaf tables and no chairs with chairs. You got to die. That's it. 18,000 leaf tables and no chairs. You got dick. Or I'm like, going to be there in 12 hours and I'm going to kick somebody's ass. <laughs> He keeps the he he toes the line like he makes sure that like he does the he's probably the most like legitimate person out of everyone that we come across because he runs a successful business he you know is true well, and he's the portrayal of wealth you know yeah. like the as high said like it's hard for a man when that son of a bitch Reagan is in office he's that sort of successful eighties businessman. Uh, and, and, you know, High and Edwina are the, uh, you know, the other end of this. Which is interesting because Edwina, um, like, you would think that she would have had a little bit more set up being a cop. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's hilarious. This not from a moral no. standpoint. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I, I, I always love seeing, uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Who was the... Uh, he was the, the jaw, the jabberwocky the, the, guy. The, like, Bill Parsons. No, not that <laughs> son of a gun. He's walking with a sandwich in one hand and the head in the other. <laughs> he, the government I, do take a bite, I, don't it? Oh, my gosh. I, not a lot of people like it. Not a lot of people like it, but I always... Um, I always find it a uh, a, fun, a fun little portrayal with him in uh, Meet uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Um, around the holidays with Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis, I just I just like he's the he's the curmudgeon old neighbor across the way. The uh, the bank robbery is pretty nice. Where um, it's just that like, well, well which is it, son? <laughs> well, make up your mind there, sir. <laughs> you want us to freeze or hit down on the ground? Well, rightly so. We did confuse them a bit. <laughs> and then like. Like they're doing the whole uh, like uh, uh, William Forsyth characters do the whole thing where he's 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 using their names and then it's like he tries like oh that's right that was just, that was a code name <laughs> all right hands up PC we're using code names now <laughs> all right and then and then uh, you know the whole scene where they leave Nathan Junior on top of the car and they go back and get him and then when the die pack goes off. Like that is just pure. Oh, it's gold. Cinematic gold. It's gold. Oh my god! I, it's 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 pretty dang funny. Watching it twice, I was still finding myself giggling, left well, and right. Watching it twice, you get more of the the weird dialogue. Like and over and oh hey sportsman, and over here is the TV, uh, two hours a day maximum, and over here is the duvet. <laughs> Where mom and pa like to kick back after a long day. 
and uh, just just myriad myriad like uh, one of my favorites is when they're at the uh, the doctor about Edwina's uh, fertility right. and he's like and I found out my sweet desert flowers insides were a, were a dry and rocky place where my seed could find no purchase like it's just really weird fucked up dialogue but it just <laughs> it goes for the whole movie what, just, a, what did the pajamas look like? I don't know. They had Yodas on them and shit. <laughs> don't you cuss around him. Oh, he don't know a cuss word from Shiola. <laughs> Would you shop at a place called Unpainted Huffheims? Uh, I'm sorry, man. We don't normally smell like this. But for a movie of this caliber, or I don't know this, you'd think that it, a lot of it is ab- ad-libbed. Uh, but that that's incorrect. Actually, the Coen brothers had to do a little bit of sparring with Nick Cage to keep him on script because they had just about five and a half, six million dollars budget. And the movie ended up making 30, which for the time, I mean, hell, with five and a half million dollar budget, that's not bad. But it was everything was planned out to the T and the Coen brothers just didn't have the the time or the money for actors to just be. Sure. Oh, yeah, all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you think a lot of these are ad lib. No, this is all written and scripted, which, you know, is a bit of a, I don't know. I feel like ad lib has become like the new comedy these days where it's like, we'll put them in a setting and then they'll just all yes and for the rest of the movie, which sometimes that pr- produces really funny stuff. It did uh, for a while, too. It, like the um, Adam McKay stuff where, you know, they would let. Yeah. Will Ferrell, and you know, no, it, but it, it had a, it had a really good wave, and I think now we're kind of coming out of it where it's like, listen, some groups can do it and do it well, and then other times it just shows this, like, uh, you know, where, where are you really going? Who is this character, um, as a whole? Where keeping him on track to, you know, no, no. Nick, we just need you to read your lines, man. And I we mean, just, not only that, but like the whole goddamn cast. <laughs> Apparently, the mayor of Arizona did not. Well, it's just uh, like what, what have, uh, have a good have a good uh, response. It's just like movie. what Breaking Bad was in uh, was Albuquerque. Uh, now, uh, and now I think there's a fucking statue of Walter Walter White somewhere in Albuquerque. Nathan, you'll have to check it out. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, aired when uh, a town's like, hey, we don't condone this. And they're like, whoa, how much money did we make? We condone it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's I find that kind of interesting where it's like certain things don't get recognized. But like, you know, this movie did so well. OK, cool. We're going to kind of understand Breaking Bad did well. Oh, OK, well, we'll let that slide. And this is just me. But you go to places where um, like where Gary Gygax is from. There's no statue. But you can see the reflection of the budget, but you don't really notice it because the scenes are either prison or the police office, the trailer, yeah, the convenience store, High's work, and the bank. And uh, there was like you know, Nathan Arizona's house and Nathan Arizona's place of one of his his locations. Yeah, six million, six million dollars. It's impressive, but. Very low on on extra cast. I mean, most of the extras were, frankly, in the bank scene. Uh, everything else is either single the or bank double. Scene, the wedding, the, the grocery store, the wedding, yeah. everyone clapping. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but yeah, but even but then, all like, the police on one side, all the convicts and Hawaiian shirts on the other side. But I mean, even then, with the extras in the wedding, you're not really you're seeing the backside. They're yeah, not no. they're not getting face. Uh, so anybody anybody out there who has not seen Raisin Arizona or thought that it was you know just about you know a couple raising a baby, you're you're way off. I highly highly recommend this movie, especially if you like. The other Coen brother offerings out there. I think you see a lot of their structure in Raising Arizona in movies like Fargo, in movies like No Country for Old Men, um, that storytelling structure. Um, but I think that we're seeing sort of like the proto Coen brothers movie in Raising Arizona. Mm. Is, I feel like they have one or two others that happened earlier. But I think this one put them on the map. And honestly, if if Raisin Arizona had been made 10 or 20 years later, it would have been best picture, best screenplay, best director. But it it wasn't nominated for anything. Yeah, it was only it was nominated for two different small award shows. And even then, it's just nomination. Not didn't didn't make any wins. But it is it is a quirky little oddball comedy that has honestly a lot of heart. You you know they're doing wrong, but you're at the same time kind of rooting for them. And again, in all the right wrong ways. Trey Wilson at the end, Nathan Arizona when they return, Nathan Junior. Like that whole scene is touching, and then it. it I like the ending with again highs like dream sequence, and and again, and I dreamed further, yeah, way way into the future, and like that's you know it's a dream sequence. You can't take it as this is what happened, but you know it's. It's the optimism that the, that High and his wife now have moving forward that after this, whatever happens, at least we'll still be together, whether we have children or we don't. Right. Uh, you know, this whole crazy fucked up situation has made us stronger for it. In hmm. Holly Hunter, I mean, we already kind of talked about it, but like every scene that she is in, I kept trying to think, I'm like, what else is Holly Hunter like? shredded like this like and i mean she's done you know she's done good work uh but i just i think the last I, thing i remember seeing holly hunter in is um uh the batman versus was it batman versus superman where she plays the congress yeah, woman donna justice yeah well and she does the vo- her voice is so recognizable like, just yeah. Yeah, and she she's in uh, the Incredibles, the Mama. Uh, yeah, she's she's last girl. Yeah, yeah. And and she's also she's in just a little bit of Succession, um, not a huge major role or anything like that, but just that kind of um, big mo- you know, big show, but enough to fit in and just be like, hey, I I know well, you. What are you doing two, here? Two scenes that I really love her in is the the dip tep scene. It's like, yeah, huh? we got to get the dip tep. Got to get and the dip tep. The scene after Before, high <laughs> the college fund. Do we have college fund? Huh? We gotta need that, huh? Ha! You're gonna need that. Uh, and then the scene where High wakes up uh, after having the dream about uh, Leonard Smalls on the prowl. And uh, she, he wakes up to her singing that like old folk song. Yeah, uh, and it's just a beautiful little moment. And like High walks up to the, uh, you know, the widow is like, "Laughs hard on the small things." And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, that's like sort of like the final calm before like 
the storm and I want to say the fight scene between High and uh, uh, Dale uh, is is awesome. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a less violent fight scene from uh, Kill Bill Two. Mm, yeah, but I mean, like you know, he there. It's it's again over the top. Uh, John Goodman has got Nicolas Cage on his shoulders. It is like you know wrestling throws him through the bathroom. And then they tie him up with the the cord from the the Venetian blinds. Yeah. And as they leave with Nathan Jr., like he rocks back and forth and he falls down, and uh, like his head hits like the cheese puffs. Yeah. And then they come back in and they dust off the baby Spock book. <laughs> like that poor book. And crunch back by and it's just like. Oh! Well, you need the instructions. <laughs> oh. But uh, it's fairly self-explanatory. They got the uh, the tape apps up under the groin, and uh, I just need uh, to know if I need to get pins or. <laughs> yeah, but uh, does is there anything else that you guys want to say about 1987's Raised in Arizona? Last little bit. I love when. Forsyth make his like sticky bandits uh, type thing. <laughs> it's when he's like, now I'm going to have you count to 300 and I'm going to come back halfway. Like <laughs> that's his calling card. I'm glad that you're in my head. Cause I was going to bring that up where the guy's like 877. Oh, bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> he's like, Oh up, shit. They're coming back. Coming. 801. <laughs> oh, so uh, Holly Hunter says it when uh, John Goodman and, and William Forsythe show up like they go split up the family huh? but William Forsythe and, and John Goodman say basically the same thing to each other like they ain't gonna split up the family Dale it's like the little, little, little baby see now I'm, try- I'm trying to think how many movies Holly Hunter and John Goodman have done together because they've done Raising Arizona Oh Brother uh, Where Art Thou Always Always. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, brother, we're out now. So that's three. Uh, Uh, She was Penny in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goddamn pedophilias! (laughs) Yeah. No, so there's three. Yeah. I really, I really liked her in, um, there's a movie with Sigourney Weaver called Copycat. Oh, the serial killer. Yeah, the serial killer one. And there's a newer movie, uh, some people might know. It's a, it's a romantic comedy, uh, with, um, Holly Hunter is married to Ray Romano. Um, it's called The Big Sick. And uh, it's about a young lady who's dating a, um, a sick comedian. Um, and it's, it's very, it's got so much heart. And it's funny and it's completely relatable and it's heartbreaking at the same time. But yeah, no, I, Holly Hunter's great. I really like Holly And Hunter. I do love that high at, the, at that, uh, that note that he leaves basically saying like, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I'm going to make it right. Yada, yada, yada. And he signs it his name. Herbert. Herbert. I know Herbert. That, hit, that yeah. hit some feels. I was like, boy's trying. He's, he's trying. Yeah, he is. Segments. All right, segment number one, H.I. McDonough. Simon Pegg once said that Raising Arizona was a living, breathing Looney Tunes cartoon. Channel your own H.I. McDonough by telling me 
what cartoon character would be tattooed on your arm? Uh, you are not confined to any studio for your decision. As a bonus segment, if you were an animated character, what real life human would you have tattooed on your arm? Uh, so I I think it's either it's a coin toss between uh, Heifer from <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life because I I hey, fucking Heifer. love that show. It's so great, and it was had. It had so much Rock adult goes humor. Modern life. Rock goes modern, modern life. Um, or, or the Crypt Keeper from the animated Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> nice. Um, just because I I spent a lot of my childhood watching both the live action and the cartoon one, and yeah, both are just great. I always I always found it hilarious because growing up watching Rocco's Modern Life, my two really good friends, Michael and Caleb. Um, we all kind of like embodied those three characters. Like Michael was Rocco, I was Heifer, and then Caleb was uh, um, Filbert. <laughs> and it was just, it was great. Yeah, such a great underrated cartoon. Ah, uh, the 90s. Mm. And as for an animated character with a real person, you know, probably because I just enjoy them so much. Uh, it, again, another coin toss probably uh, Ryan Reynolds or Jack Black. <laughs> All right. Nathan. Um, so uh, I had two that I kind of went down the rabbit trail on. One was um, more like cartoon, cartoon character of. Um, I mm. Oh, like, like comic yeah. strips. Um, I love. He's not, he's not, he's not uh, restrained. Uh, no, I no. love Calvin and Hobbes. Um, and then if I was, I, I made the joke, if I was, the animated character of Calvin and Hobbes, I would have uh, the same Calvin and Hobbes where they're like on the log, uh, like kind of like balancing walking of, mm. of Hobbes and Shaw. I just thought it'd be funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, can you just picture the rock making like that T pose? And <laughs> right, anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to outbalance you. <laughs> Listen here, you fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good um i would have on my arm yosemite sam uh just because my biscuits are burning oh um if if i if i was a uh, and i always loved yosemite sam and i feel like it's appropriate for this movie for some reason um we're gonna go back and get nathan jr uh but anyway <laughs> If I was a cartoon character with a human tattoo, the human tattoo would be uh, Admiral Raymond Spruance, uh, also known as the Quiet Warrior. Uh, he was the Admiral in charge of the Battle of the Philippine Sea, also the Great Mariana's Turkey Shoot, as many people know it. So I'm not going to get real deep into there, but yes, I'm a cartoon character with a gray-haired Admiral on my arm. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, segment number two. Uh, we're swingers, man, as in to swing. <laughs> We've all met Glenn in some way or another. Tell me about a Glenn that you met pa in passing, a friend of a friend, someone you were more than happy to see leave than arrive. Unpleasant, uncouth, maybe even sleepy. Uh, uh, I went last, so I'll go first. Uh, it was... A guy named Gabe, who was a friend of Nate, or no, not Nate, of Brian's. 
And Gabe had been in that documentary Trekkies. Mm. <laughs> okay. And then Continue. he, but then he got into like, uh, like visual effects, like computer effects. And uh-huh. he worked and, and did some like visual effects stuff for movies. But, um, this guy, I remember the first time I met him, I was the only one that was sober and I was getting ready to leave Brian's to go home because it was a work night. And he wouldn't shut up about me. He wanted me to take him to McDonald's drive-thru. Oh, I've heard this story. Yes. And, and Cody always says, like, Eddie took him. And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. I left. <laughs> uh, and then another time I was with a like an ex-girlfriend down at, um, was it Fish Lips? Yeah, Fish Lips. Down Fish Lips, which... When it was still, when it was still there, yeah, and uh, he was there, the same guy, but he was wearing like an old fur coat that, like, but it was like cut for a man, and he had like a girl that he just looked like a crack whore, and like everything about him just seemed dirty. Like I didn't even want him in my car to take him to McDonald's, let alone like I don't know. It just it seemed like. Like, if you could touch it, you'd get, like, the flesh-eating disease or, like, herpes and, like, just a whole host of other things. Uh, but he was a real scumbag. He was mm. he was a Glenn, and I believe he figured highly in, you know, a certain Miraz's, uh old days of, like, running whores through fucking uh, Frito-Lay. Oh. But, like, not, like, Whoa. not anything that, that anybody would want to pay for. Oh. Yeah. So. All right, then. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I had a an acquaintance that uh, his name was Steve, and he would hang out with our band. Um, and I, I saw very quickly that um, his, like, kind of predatory behavior towards individuals of uh, the opposite sex was just like, hey, one – not cool. And then two, you're hanging out with us, which then gives us this like, Im- I nicknamed him Fester because he just kind of like, <laughs> he was just kind of like this festering wound that I'm just like, oh, clean it up and get rid of it. Like, go, go away. Why are you still here? Why are you still festering? You little, oh, you fester. So oh, uh, check that out for me. Tell me if it smells like cheese. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Steve's a gr- little scumbag. Okay. Well, <clears throat> the year was 2016. Oh, <laughs> Settle in kids. Um, it was, the best of times. Ah, uh, yes. It was the worst, worst of, of times. times. Okay. So uh, it was uh, 2016, December. It was three days after I had been recently dumped uh, by my my ex of, of seven and a half years. <laughs> and yeah, I was that. invited to Jack's abode for a New Year's Eve party, <laughs> to which, one, I was promised... <laughs> A, an apparent or supposed hob, maybe hypothetically blind date. That's until the crab fisherman got there. So here's the thing: <laughs> it's not the blind date. It's it's um the other 
<laughs> who proceeded to refer to me as an asshole the entire night. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that I was a dick, like just being awful, just awful. That lady, awful. <laughs> um, her friend who brought the the uh, uh, blind date, but it's it's funny. Like, just how drunk and belligerent she got towards me. And she was just terrible. And I think it's hilarious. Like, she, the more she ragged on me, it's like one of the first times that I heard Brian go, Drew's one of the nicest people that I know. Oh, it was Cody. Brian, I don't think, was there. No, Brian said it because she was standing next to Brian talking about, because she was trying to, like, egg both us on going, like, hey, you want to come make out with me? And I'm just like, oh, no. No, thank you. Good time. <laughs> no, no, thank you. To which apparently that made me more of an asshole. I'm going to grab this so, measuring yeah. tape and just measure out 10 feet and go ahead and stand at the end of that. And I'll stand over here. There we go. Okay, that's 10 feet. There we go. It's She's she's not a delightful person. And I feel like I've brought like horrid flashbacks to Jack now. <laughs> thank you. You're, you're quite welcome. <laughs> All right, and finally, and I think one of my favorite lines, would you shop at a store called Unpainted Huffheims? What store or establishment would you change your name to sell? What's your new last name, and what do you carry? What do you sell? What what are you a purveyor of? If if I could build, like, a fun store, and and it's what I could have. So we have, uh, we have the dream, which is, Hallam's House of Horrors. So not only selling like horror movies, but horror movie memorabilia and merchandise. If, if it's more like down to earth and kind of realistic, I don't know. I, I kind of like the alliteration of the H. So uh, Hallam's Haberdasheries. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so little knickknacks and things for your persons like and your it. clothes and whatnot. Yeah. Hallam's Household and Haberdasheries. I. Uh, I, I, so I went just kind of uh, a little bit off the deep end, but um, also keeping true to our to our fashion. <laughs> we like the deep end. We my, like the deep my end. My name is Donald Monterey, and I sell mobile shower water. <laughs> Take shower water wherever you need to go. Are you hankering for some shower water, but yet you're out of town? Mobile shower water. Donald Monterey. <laughs> Th- this episode definitely needs Nathan's shower water commercial to be dropped right here. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever get thirsty? Need something just a bit more than those special bottle drinks can provide? Then you need Nathan's shower water. Hi, I'm Chris from the More Gooder Than podcast. Yes, that Chris. I'm here to talk about this amazing product. Nathan's shower water is not only delicious, but easy to access. It's a two for one deal, my friends. A quick shower. You're just seconds away from what some doctors say is a necessary part of one's daily nutrients. Don't believe me? Have a listen to these satisfied customers. This is Alexa here talking about Nathan's shower water. This water changed my life. My smile is wider, my pants are looser, and I've taken 0.5 seconds off my 40 time. My husband and I even noticed some improvement in our couple time. You know... More downloads for our podcast, you can rewind it. Some people even say our jokes are funnier. Thank you, Nathan Showerwater. Hey there, this is Trisha from Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. 
Uh, today, Shauna couldn't join us, but I'm joined here with Aaron Wiggins, my husband. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So uh, thanks for being here. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Nathan's shower water. Nathan's shower water. Yes, I've heard that you've had a good experience with this. Can you tell us a little bit about what you use Nathan's shower water for? I have. I've had heard about this. It is um, great for shaving. It lubes your chin while you shave. Wow. And what were your results using Nathan's shower water to shave? Soft and supple cheeks. Soft and supple cheeks. This shower water is damn versatile because Shauna and I have used it to wash down our snacks. You know, I heard it's the only shower water that's FDA approved for skincare and for digestion. You can eat it too? You can eat it too. You heard it here first, guys. That's Nathan's shower water. You can shave with it and be soft and supple like Aaron. Or you can eat it, like me and Shauna. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. You know what I hate? Carrying around a bottle of water. Nine times out of ten, I don't even finish it. It sits in my car and rolls around at every stop sign until I throw it away. Sometimes I just want a little bit of water, not a lot. You know, just a swallow or two. That's why I drink Nathan's shower water. It's compact and perfect when I just want to swallow a little bit of Nathan. So get your Nathan's shower water today. Act quick. Don't let this fantastic deal go down the drain. All right. So my last, my new last name is, uh, is Ripper. I own a flooring company. Uh, we have commercials on TV. Tile, linoleum, carpet, laminate. We'll rip out the old stuff and slash our prices oh. like Jack the Ripper. Uh, so we have commercials with me dressed in period precise clothes of an Englishman. Uh, and then the prostitutes are sort of going about the alleys, but they've got little signs like, you know, a marble flooring, $9.99 a square foot. And then I, I murder them. And then you see that it's now seven ninety nine a square foot. Ooh. Oh, you know, this this laminate, uh, you know, we'll we'll do a thousand square feet for uh, one hundred fifty dollars. No, that prostitute's getting murdered, <laughs> and now it's one twenty five. So it's uh, it's it's Jack the Rippers, and we're just ripping down the prices. Oh Jesus, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you like maybe some interlocking laminate floor, my lord? Just ten ninety nine. Not on my watch. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> now it's eight ninety nine. <laughs> now it's eight ninety nine. You wench. So I love any like Bob's Burgers. We're positively bleeding out profits over here, Drew. <laughs> Bob's Burgers always has like the mm. the neighboring place that has great names. I love, love seeing names like that in real life, like play on words for the company. Like, love it. Uh, you, a- you know, the fan theory is that uh, Mort keeps killing the people next door to Bob's to keep his business in line. <laughs> oh, OK, They're- that's why it's all that's why it's always a new business every single time. And Mort is uh, constantly having customers. Hmm. OK, hmm. 
The other theory is that Bob's killing them so he can have meat. I, for I remember that was like kind of episode one, wasn't it? Like where they were like, is it like human meat? And yeah. that was kind of like, oh, is this the pilot? I'm like, oh, priest. Have a little priest. priest. <laughs> so, uh, Awful lot of fat when they wear it set. What would you guys rate uh, 1987's Raisin Arizona? Who? Um, for like for what it is, um, it, there. I don't know. It's not a great. It's not a grand slam, but it is definitely a home run. Like it. It rounds the bases. You know, it gets the applause. It's a one person home run. Uh, it, but it's there's there's nothing. I feel like I can't give it this like mastermind genius like wow that that blew my mind it was just like this was so entertaining both watches like highly liked them uh wasn't like dreading the second watch like oh great it was kind of like okay now i know what this film is now i can actually just like almost like now i can just enjoy it like all the anxiety is out i can just watch it um so yeah it is just a solid home run over the fence and Felt good, and when we couldn't find crawl dad. We ate sand. <laughs> One we day I tried sand? to make my make my own. Threw it in without the water, though, just like popcorn. <laughs> Drew, kind of like Nathan. Um, I can respect for the time and the money, and you know what it is, and I I can't I can't really fault it for anything, especially when it's presented how it is and with how they did it. It's it's a solid three and a half out of five for me, and it's very enjoyable. Uh, so I I just I feel like this is a great example of '80s cinema, but also cinema that we probably won't really see anymore, mm. um, or is harder to see, or it's it's done as like a mini series or or whatever. Uh, just because it's not your your tentpole superhero, uh, this that or the other thing, um, but I absolutely adore this movie. I love the writing, the dialogue, the music, the acting, the actors. So I'd give it uh, eleven out of twelve cool cold ones. And I'm curious if they would ever attempt something like this. Um, you know, just. Because it is so unique, uh, when when the paint goes off in the car and Goodman's like wiping <laughs> it back and forth, <laughs> ah! <laughs> things like that. Just I don't know. They're they're so different than like you just said, like the superhero like formula cookie cutter. This is what we get at time after time. Like it, I think maybe that's also another reason why I liked it so much because it was such a breath of fresh air. And I'm sure at the time, you know that. Wild because you, I don't think people would do what to do with it. Back true, then. yeah, like yeah. it's it is very Looney Tunes, but I mean, in the best way possible. Well, uh, what is coming up for us on uh, Real Fields? What's on? Zip well, Pockets? I'm gonna bring you guys an anthropological film. Oh, oh. capital. Oh. Amy pretty. Amy pretty. <laughs> Ugly gorillas. Amy mother. <laughs> Ugly Go gorillas. <laughs> no, it's not Congo, but we, but but, we love Congo. Oh, but we do love Congo. We love you. Um, I believe I will be bringing us. Um, so you're doing anthropo- uh, I will pr- anthropological. 
Interesting. We'll need to get together because uh, I think next up that I was planning on doing was Ake or the Meta film. So it'll be a toss up. Mm, you should do you should do Meta because we should do remake and reboot <laughs> back to back. Uh, back Double to feature. Back. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, yeah. And then I, do I, we have a Patreon, uh, another one coming up. We can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Just we, could. We, do. we can. No, no, we do. We uh, we have a total of two that we still are going to be getting uh, done this season for uh, Jason and David are uh, our two patrons who hit that ten dollar level. <laughs> Hey, oh. big spender. <laughs> a little love to me. Speaking of love, guys, if you want to get in contact with us, hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. Search for the Real Phil's Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Real Phil's Pod. You can call the Tooch line 661-376-0030. Tell us what your favorite Coen Brothers is. Tell us what tattoo Folks, of a cartoon character line you get. is a dry and rocky place where none of your seed has found purchase. Please, please, none has found Utilize, purchase. Utilize, call us, call the Tooch line. I don't... I don't care if you want to like yeah, talk turkey, whatever. 661-376-0030. We would love to hear from you. Or you can send an email to realfillspodcast at gmail.com. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. um, thank you everyone for joining us for a, uh, another episode of The Real Feels Podcast. This has been The Realist. And The Feelist. I'm here on my knees, Ed. A free man proposing. (laughs) Howdy, Kurt. (laughs) Let's go get Nathan Jr.